Atheist Nomads, episode 258. Let's not get depressed talking about depression and depressing stuff. <laughs> the podcast you're about to listen to includes cursing and talking about hoo-hahs. Please be advised. Welcome to another episode of Atheist Nomads. I am Dustin. Joining me is Lauren. Hello. And Aaron. Hi. So how's everybody doing? Good. Actually pretty peachy considering yeah. the subject of today's talk. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to be... A good one? I think it'll be good, yeah. yeah. Fourth of July is right around the corner. Uh-huh. It's uh-huh. sunny out. It's, a lot of people, I have a feeling, took the week off, so... Tons of people are out and about. And if everybody was... Not working and getting in my way in traffic. And if everybody who wants to go to Island Park, if they're already there, enjoying the 4th of July, awesome! Um, because that means they won't be when we're there next week. Yep. So, although, although this just bring up an interesting uh, thing where... Erin just mentioned to us before going live that she doesn't like fireworks and no. she has a weighted blanket to help soothe mm-hmm. that anxiety. And um, it's so funny because on our Bench Dwellers Facebook page, uh, somebody was just on saying that he doesn't believe that people like that exist. Really? Well, that um, it's only through like the other uh, uh, third, second to third person that um, saying that those people exist that uh, I'm like, dude, okay, so for an example yeah for an example (laughs) he says i don't think anybody actually does you know suffers from ptsd during during fourth of july i think it's just uh people making it up and so this person responds well my dad has it and this is what we do at fourth of july the guy's like well yeah but you're saying that where's your dad he's not on here saying that Mm. and it's like uh dude (laughs) yeah i I have i have a cousin who was trying to go to a fourth of july fireworks show shortly after he got back from Iraq and dove under a vehicle in the parking lot when somebody set off a firecracker. Yeah, I just have extreme uh-huh. anxiety. Uh, I did not go to war, but I do have PTSD and it's just I just thought loud that- noises. I can do fireworks if I'm like on a rooftop and they're far on the horizon. I'm like, those are beautiful. But uh, I just have this overwhelming fear that something's going to go wrong and I'm going to get hurt. And it's just a lot of loud shocks mm-hmm. to the system. And yeah. so I'm just going to do an open mic and go to bed. Yeah. All right. So the fact that this guy is out there saying that we're using vets to protect our animals, which was her, his other point. Oh. It's like, you guys are all talking about, you know, using vets and animals as a way to avoid fireworks. Well, this is America. We have that right. It's like, oh, oh shut up, dude. I'm pretty no, sure he called said being, America. I'm pretty sure he lacks <laughs> empathy. Now, yeah. my personal position on it is organized, announced, planned, yes. professionally done fireworks displays are awesome. Mm-hmm. Drunk rednecks blowing shit up is also awesome is terrifying it is so terrifying well that was my last experience with uh at home no no my brother's not redneck nor was he drunk but they saw this thing on youtube oh god and they put their illegal fountain on a ladder and it fell (laughs) luckily away from us and so it was shooting we were not top of it and it was we filled a cardboard box full of fireworks doused it in lighter fluid uh 
carved a smiley face into the cardboard and then lit it on fire. And one of the bottle rockets basically went up my friend's skirt, um, left a little mark on her leg, didn't do any actual damage or anything. But uh, yeah, foolhardy, stupid. Lots of people get hurt. Um, Yeah. there's still that little voice in the back of my mind saying, but it's so much fun. No. Now, as of the, you know, on the day of release, um, 4th of July is yesterday. Yes. Uh, but okay. just remember. <laughs> All right. America is officially. America. Two years running. A flawed democracy. <laughs> we are tied with Italy. South Korea is beating us. Oh my gosh. Yep. Yeah. Let that sink in when you think about um, about nationalism, patriotism. Yeah, yeah. Atheist Nomads is probably brought to you by listeners just like you. You can find out how you can become a patron at patreon.com slash atheistnomads. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash atheistnomads. And we have a new patron, Levi C. Levi! We love Levi. And as I have, have said, I will be unless told to do otherwise. First name, last initial. That will be the standard. Makes it easier for me to keep track of who's who on the list. Yeah. <laughs> it gets confusing when you get five Michaels. Yeah, seriously, Mike's tone it down a bit. No, it's not your fault. It's your parents' fault. No, more Mikes need to, to become patrons. Okay, that all the Mikes. That would also be really awesome if we had, you know, 50 patrons named mike or 50 patrons yeah that yeah, too. yeah, yeah. I get it. um <laughs> yeah i i'd be pretty happy with one patron for every 10 episodes we've done hmm. that'd be good yeah yeah uh but anyway um enough with your dreams we have news for the second time in as many weeks ultra orthodox men held up a flight this was an austrian airlines flight that 26 men were moved to after the original flight was canceled so, yes, it was very full. And this is a flight from Israel back to Austria. Each of the men refused to seat, sit next to a woman. And eventually the pilot had to get involved and convince several women to change seats. Oh. Just so that they could take off only 40 minutes late. Uh, oh. With losing their place in line at the Vienna airport, they... Ended up being a full hour late by the time they got there. A whole bunch of passengers lost their con- or missed their their connecting flights. I would have been. Oh man, that is now. This is not happening alone. Like I mentioned, there was there was one the week before. Um, after that incident on an LL flight, the airline decided that any passenger refusing to be seated would be removed from the plane. And an Israeli court has also recently ruled that women cannot be forced to change seats. Oh, that's oh, nice. Nice. Way to go. This is, you know, and I've, I've been on... This is not a discrimination against the religious men. It is discrimination against the women who uh-huh. are stuck next to them. Well, you get s- seated, you get settled into the seat. Moving is an imposition. I've been on a flight where I change seats I think I was on my fifth seat by the time we took off. <laughs> and you were the nice guy, right? You were I was the, the one nice that was guy. like, yeah, I'll move. Uh, I, yeah, I'll I move. I didn't care. I, it was, we were stopped in Detroit getting more passengers on the way to Amman, Jordan, and families wanted to sit together. They all asked nicely. I was happy to move. The difference there is 
they wanted me to trade places with them so they could sit closer to family. Right. It wasn't a case of they wanted me to move because I was a vile Christian and would keep them out of heaven. Yeah. Or in the case of that one woman who had to sit next to the man who had um, necrotizing tissue. Ooh. That was unfortunate. They actually had to stop the flight. Ew. It was not good. I think the guy died after. It was really sad, actually. I should make fun of it. Mm. But everybody's been stuck next to that, you know, fat, stinky person. Hey. Hey, I didn't call you a fat, stinky person. <laughs> Just say it is generic person who takes up way too much space who may not actually be fat because i got stuck next to a very skinny young woman who was just taking up yeah. the whole space yeah. well and, and legs and onions. crossed and onions and uh, uh, the return flight from jordan Ooh. back to chicago lots of stinky people they mm. ration water there you Ew. can bathe once a week oh, cologne and that bathing you've only got water running in the shower for maybe 30 seconds cologne a week but it, that's not what we're but that that is not the point that we're talking about <laughs> this is went off the rails there re, the, the ultra orthodox ortho ultra orthodox jews are a pain in the ass yeah no they really are they are as like they make some of the christian fundamentalist groups look moderate it is crazy i've watched i think two documentaries now about uh about them in New York and the people trying Hasidic to, uh-huh, and trying to basically a lot of women and people who identify gay, who were forced, a lot of women were forced into marriage, pulled out of school. Plus, school was all religious anyway, mm-hmm. and then they're bound by these contracts, and it's just crazy what happens. Crazy, no good. Especially when you're forced into an abusive relationship and then you have nine children and if you leave, then you leave your nine children. Yep. Because you're the person who's doing, I mean, you're the woman and you're leaving and you're wrong. Well, and then what ends up happening with, and this is like the Amish as an example. I think Mennonites are probably the closer example, but they're not as well known as the Amish. Um, but in both cases, they mostly shun technology. The chances of getting a Mennonite on a plane are pretty low. Chances of getting an Amish person on a plane, really low. And they aren't even that much dicks. Yeah. <laughs> Sigh. Sigh. And the whole reason that these Orthodox Jewish men won't sit next to a woman is there is a chance that it might be her period or within seven days of the end of it. Right. Right. They take all those blood laws very seriously. And a woman is unclean half of her life. I would so love to accidentally like drop a maxi pad or something on like a guy's lap. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. No. Oh my God. He would freak out. Like not used or anything, but it doesn't matter. Just the imagery would like just set them into a tizzy. (laughs) Put a couple of drops of red food coloring on oh, it. Oh, that's just me. See, that's just, yeah, that's just hilarious. <laughs> but that's the whole concern, because this woman might be unclean and might touch him. <gasps> yeah, no, it's ridiculous. Now, there's the, the place where I get a little weird on this, and feel free to argue with me on it. Um, 
should they be if they are that backwards and insane should they be removed from society <laughs> society no but uh, certain aspects of it i think but but like should some should there be some kind of accommodation made so that they can get on planes well, that's assuming that the airlines are even kind enough to allow you to choose your own seats or have a um But choosing your preference. S- choosing your seat doesn't allow you to pick who you're sitting next who to. Who you're sitting next right. to. No, yeah. Um th- it's just something that if you want that conven that modern convenience, I think yeah, you're going to have to bite the bullet. It's like getting onto a bus and insisting that you can't have any women on the bus. It's like right. unless you schedule a specific shuttle shared by a lot of people with your same beliefs and pay extra for it you're just gonna get mingled in with everybody you know what that's called get on a private plane yeah like if you've got a problem then get on a private plane But how is this different than having a kosher meal available on the flight you have to request that in advance they aren't going to give it to you if you ask when you get there you, you can't make the person next to you have a kosher meal but that's imposing your religious beliefs right. on somebody else but should it be allowed to, should the airline set up a system where you can put in requests like not being seated next to a person of the opposite sex? Yeah, but then you're going to have to poll everybody to, I don't think you put male or female when oh, yeah. you fly. Do you? Yeah. I haven't flown in a while. You they, put they male or your, female? They have all your information. I mean, you can put your driver's license in, but I don't know if the airline's like, hmm, let me look up that driver's license They're number. Not, they don't and- care. No, they ha- no, they, they the don't. airline has to have all that information so that when you get your ticket, there's enough information oh, to true. check your ID and verify that's you. But can it be then argued that then, I don't know. But when it comes to seating on airlines, it is com- it's, it's a mess. It's completely random. It's last minute, last second decisions. They can't. It's a computer that does most of the right. assignments. Yeah, we that would computer can be. We would have to go back to like the golden days of air flight when, you know, they they the stewardesses na- uh, knew the names of every person who got on the plane and knew everything about the individuals when there's well, only ten people on each plane. Let's That's, let's flip this around. Should women be able to say they don't want to sit next to a man? I mean, I don't always want to sit next to dudes. I don't either. I don't but care. I don't expect in a public transportation no. sort of situation, any special benefit. I mean, Alaska lets you choose your seat, but then you're starting to run a fine line if it's like, here's a men's section and only. Uh, I'm, and not yeah. su- I'm not suggesting anything no. with sections, yeah. but if you could put in those kinds of preferences, oh, the answer is just no. like you can put in a preference on, do you want a regular meal, vegetarian meal, kosher, halal, yeah, but isn't vegan. that also, I mean, now you're you're regulating and now you're saying, oh, I don't want a gender. What's to say the next person's going to not say like, well, I, um, I'm i from this country, so I don't want to sit next to, and I'm this religion, so I don't want to sit next to a Muslim. I don't want to sit next to a person from this country. I mean, that's starting now, the, to... Airlines are a public accommodation. Right. You have to deal with it. Where I would draw the line with it is you put in a preference, whether or not that's a granted is a different story right if it can be done the algorithm will make those assignments i mean here's the thing if you're so worried about it don't get on a plane private jet private jet you'll have to pay for it yeah uh yeah so i disagree with you i don't think even preferences i don't i don't Mm -mm. no it's just it's start it's muddy it's muddy and would start 
people would start encourage segregation yeah. of all, in, in all sorts of areas and it's just and yeah here where the next logical step with that would be putting in a preference to not sit next to a black person right i mean or a muslim or anything you know anybody yeah. like anybody that you're do you think i could pay against? extra to be seated next to somebody with a puppy <laughs> i would pay extra i mean that. yeah if i could oh my gosh i had a flight like full of puppies i saw and it was the best picture ever oh i was gosh. like oh my gosh i want to be on that my flight dream. my dream yeah now that's the flight i want to be on now yeah. were they actually puppies or were they yes. just chihuahuas getting shipped out of no, california no they were like little golden retriever puppies like it's always oh, a golden oh. retriever puppy i know and and who they're who, like the white male of puppies yeah and who knows like it was probably like a copy paste job <laughs> like all over the place but it looked real cute all right well winston blackmore is now the former head of the fundamentalist Mormons in Canada. And he and James Aller have been convicted of polygamy. Was that an update from last week? We didn't talk about this one last week. We haven't talked about this one? No, we talked about it at dinner Mm. a couple days ago. Oh, okay. So this is the first time in like 102 years that Canada has, anywhere in Canada has prosecuted anybody for violating polygamy laws. In the case of Blackmore, he has 24 wives and 149 children. Yeah. Holy. So my argument is that polygamy in itself isn't a terrible, you know, the idea itself isn't bad because if you have consenting adults, the problem is the ages of some of these girls when they got Mm -hmm. married were a little low. Yeah. And he obviously does not have the ability to support right. that many women and children. So you shouldn't really have more children than you are able to support. Absolutely. Well, okay. Like so Duggars can have as many kids as they want because they're freaking multimillionaires. Ten of his wives yeah, I know. were 17 Gross. at the time they got married. Three were 16 and one was 15. Okay. So blatantly illegal right there. Well, unless there's a law where you can sign or whatever, but they wouldn't be really married. There'd be one marriage, right? Well, usually one, but these were just celestial. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Just don't say you're my wife now. I can do you. Yeah. No. Mm -mm. So, yeah, (laughs) you know, uh, great for the conviction. The guy needed to be told that this was not socially correct. And punished for it because I'm sure a bunch of those kids are probably living in poverty. I think, but my, yeah, when it comes to the actual like being convicted of polygamy, it's like, oh god, really? We're now, still doing right. this? I kind of suspect this might have been a case like Al Capone getting convicted on tax evasion. Right? You right. just peg him for what you can. They didn't want him for not paying taxes. They wanted him for all the racketeering and murder. Right. I'm guessing in this guy's case, they wanted him for all of the children that he married and yeah. probably a shit ton of abuse that was going on. Right. I think the problem is that the thought of having multiple relationships, one, is not the problem. If, again, everybody's consenting the problem is and that everybody's you, adults and everybody's adults that's kind of the biggest part right everybody needs right. to be an adult and the but the the thing is then you add this religious aspect and you're taking away education and you're taking away 
basically rights any opportunity and, whatsoever. yeah and and then having a hundred hundred plus kids and yeah you can't take care of them at all none of those kids and now they've been sheltered they who knows if this is a warren jeff situation too we, oh maybe yeah we'll hear about that he's the canadian warren jeff okay Where- so basically he's taking probably his son's and being like, all right, well, get the fuck out because I I want these ladies, not you. So uh, good good luck. Or making um, kids who d- have don't have the same mothers marry each other in order mm-hmm. to keep the religion going. That's mm. that happened in Utah back yeah. in the good uh. old days. Yeah, you know, but they took their polygamy seriously back then. But if you because whether or not the doctrine is correct is should be irrelevant for the law. Uh, and the polygamy laws in the U.S. and I'd presume Canada as well are explicitly anti-Mormon in their their adoption. Yeah, they love to bring that up as uh, Mormons are are subject to persecution. Like they've actually had entire laws designed to keep them from following their religious beliefs. It's true. It we is. Do now to fix those issues or, or that with that ignoring that completely. Uh, figuring out how to legally do plural marriage would be complicated and messy from a legal standpoint. Well, it looks like Cody Brown's doing real good on that, though. Yep. Come on. Yeah. They've got a TV show on TLC. <laughs> so they're doing great. Because TLC is, you know, known for its quality protection. <laughs> well, okay. Marriage laws, where it's difficult is never while you're actively in the marriage. That part's easy. Well, from a legal standpoint, it's easy. Where the law is involved is the start and the finish. If one party, if, say, five people are married and one party leaves, how do you divide property? Hopefully there was a prenup. And if it's one man with five wives and they aren't all... Don't all consider them... Like, if he leaves, are the wives all married to each other at that point? Or are they also all split up? I don't know. Uh, I mean, it's very complicated, and I'm sure it's dependent on each and every different Mm -hmm. set of relationships, right? If we were to do it right, I mean, I would say there's always going to be one legal marriage. Everybody else, you better get an attorney so that when those problems do arise, that you are legally protected to something, whether it be, you know, it's a lot of assets because you're Mm -hmm. obviously going to have kids... In this relationship. And from what I've heard, you know, there are bonds with the sister wives or whatnot. Um, but I would think it would be really complicated. And All I have to do is look back at my own family history to know that those... Yeah. Right. No, there's always animosity. Oh, yeah, totally. But there, you know, you could be okay with your sister mm-hmm. wife, too. What would happen if he died? Yeah. I mean, celestially... They're all going to be in the same place, no matter what, even if they marry their second guy. It's just the same thing as all Mormonism. You're, right, you go with but, your first husband, right? I think. But if he dies, who gets the property? That's where a lawyer comes in and you start. <laughs> How did they split that up? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's messy. It's complicated. You know, with my great, great, great grandfather, who was kicked out of the Southerly Mills Baptist Church in Kent, England for bigamy. Um, he got lucky in that his legal wife died mm. first. Right. There wasn't any inheritance issues or anything. Yeah. He then just finally legally married her sister, his other wife, and then they have a three-sided, 
tombstone. Yeah. It's, I mean, let's just say divorce is complicated uh-huh. no matter what. Mm-hmm. It, now you're just getting more people involved. And I, I just would say, think of the children. <laughs> please. please, please think of the children. But the, the biggest problem that I see with, with these polygamy cases that keep coming up is the, the, the children, the kids yeah. they're marrying. That should never be okay. But too many states, and I think British Columbia, yes, not a state, Canadian province, um, don't ask me how I know this. His name is Dan, and he told me way too much information about stuff from his Ren Fair days. <laughs> uh, if there's any group of nerds that I feel comfortable making fun of, it's the Ren Fair guys. <laughs> but yeah, apparently the SCA in, in BC... Um, yeah, 14 with parental consent is the age of consent. Well, apparently here in Idaho, it, you can also marry with consent. Yep. Um, I'm trying to find where... I think it's 15. 16. It's 16? Oh, it used to be 15. It's it's young. Idaho's 16, Oregon is 17. Well, that's about the age when kids start getting knocked up. Yep. And rather than give them birth control, you just make them marry somebody. Oh, it's a practice marriage anyway. They'll get all of their <laughs> angst out of the way, make all their terrible life decisions, and then get their act together in their 20s, divorce, and uh, live happily ever after. So, but the, no? the, the starting no. point is making no. the line a hard 18. Mm. That's step one. This guy would not have had more than half of his wives literally... 14 of the 24 were under the age of 18 when they got married. That is so messed up. Yeah. What kind of parent was like, this is great for my daughter? Another polygamous parent. I mean, they're all mm. just in it, right? Like, it's not like uh-huh. he's he's walking down the street and he's like, ooh, hey, there's a there's a young gal named Sally and her parents don't know anything. Let's just take... Or the parents are like, oh my, there's a young man walking down, or right. older man walking down the street. <laughs> he looks like he can care for my daughter. Let's right. marry her off. You know, for... Like it's freaking 500 years ago. David Koresh, every most likely pubescent or older girl or woman in the church, he was fucking. Yep. Yeah. A hard 18. That's the start. But once that's done, a lot of these issues are resolved because then you don't have to prosecute him for polygamy, which I'm sure even the prosecutors thought was bullshit. You could prosecute him. For statutory rape. Right. But the problem is that you can say that, oh, hard 18, it doesn't matter. Uh, people, they don't care. That's true. They don't care. They're going to do it anyway, because partially the man is kind of a pedophile. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but they he, could convict him on it later. Uh-huh. That's it's true. A, that's, that's all that that argument is for. But I, I mean, camp, I no, don't know. I don't know how the system is. But like. The conviction. conviction. Yeah. Right. Prevention, that's. We don't know how I, to prevent. Nope. I don't think the world no knows idea. how to prevent anything. Because as soon as you convince one one group of people that this is a bad idea, another group of people pop up and say it's good. If so. we could prevent cults, we wouldn't have them. Right. But since, as a society, we can't even define them, how are we going to stop them? Ooh, throwback to last episode. Nice. Last two episodes. A uh, recent one. Whatever. All right. For a local story... A California man was temporarily staying at an apartment complex in Boise until he was asked to leave the complex on Friday. 
Saturday, he returned with a knife and started stabbing people at a three-year-old girl's birthday party, wounding six children and three adults, all or most of whom are refugees from Muslim-majority countries. The birthday girl's injuries were severe enough to require her being sent to Salt Lake, and she has now passed away. Yeah. Yeah. This is a... He has been charged with at least 15 felonies, ranging from causing harm to a child on the low end to first-degree murder on the high end. Yeah, I've been hearing a lot of reactions to this. Weird reactions. Um, Lots of anti-California. Oh, gosh, yeah. Uh (laughs) Because this guy was a... a, a, a He was not a refugee. Transplant from L.A. He was not part of the refugees, so at least they can't blame that. But he was black. So mm-hmm. I've heard people refer to that. So like, oh, is nobody going to mention, bring up the fact that he was black? Why? No, no, we're not, because that was not relevant to this. This was a person who had behavioral problems, who obviously obviously had, was in a very bad place because they kicked, I mean, that's why he got kicked out of the apartments in the first place, apparently. Now, presumably, and it would make sense that this would be where refugees would be, it was probably... The cheapest or one of the cheapest apartment complexes in the area. Well, okay. It's off of State Street. It's Garden City. <laughs> okay. yeah. yeah. So and not in one of the new fancy condos either. But. No. So cheap apartments. Well, the guy was strung out on drugs. So presumably. Yeah. As far as I know, at least as of recording, a motive has not been determined yet. I don't know if you're ever going to get one. Police no. are still investigating, trying to figure out why. I mean, what what's the guy going to say to to appease anything? He literally, I mean, he did go to a child's birthday party and start stabbing the children first. So mm-hmm. I, I mean, not that I'm saying it's better to start stabbing adults, but you, you got to have next level issues. And I don't know if we're ever going to really fully understand what was going on. You're right. With him, and and so I think we all need to take a hard look and say, like, well, what can we do? Yeah, because because thoughts and prayers. Oh gosh, thoughts and prayers. Everybody's been saying that, and you know, it's great for a week because that's how long this is going to last, unfortunately. And then we're just going to go back, and we're not going to do anything because we don't have prevention, and we. We just stick band-aids on it. I think my my thought is, besides the fact that it's children, or these are refugees who are coming from places because they're fleeing violence, and then this man came in and, yeah. Or their world apart. Yeah. And so how, 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 how can we, I mean, I can't even imagine how unsafe I would feel in a place that I was hoping to get out of and coming to America in this political climate mm-hmm. and already feeling insecure and then having a man come in and do that. It's just, I honestly, every time I think about this, I get numb and I'm, I broke down on Sunday because my roommate got to uh, be a part of the incoming because she works at the hospital. Mm-hmm. And so she told me some things that the news has not been saying. That's, um, yeah, I work at the other hospital, so I've been seeing emails at work about this. And it's just, uh, the one thing that people, the other thing that people have been bringing up is the fact that if somebody there had had a gun, no, they could have stopped it. No. 
one, most of the victims were three, four, four. and six. Three, four, and six. So no, they did not have guns. Um, two, there were refugees. So no, they did not have guns. Uh, and and last lastly, um, it doesn't do you any good when it's a surprise attack like this. Oh, this was just the better gun argument with this one. Thank goodness he didn't have one. He didn't have a gun. Yeah. There were nine people injured. Okay, eight people injured, one killed. If he'd had a gun, that would have been nine dead. Yeah. Or more. Yeah. More injured. The whole point of gun control is not to reduce violence. It's to make that violence less lethal. I would take a thousand knife attacks over a single shooting. Yeah. I would take none of either. Well, okay, that would be ideal. Okay. Yeah. Ideally. But the... and Okay, so then... The the other thing I want to bring up with this is I have been impressed with the response this has gotten. Uh, you know, a lot of when when people listen to podcasts and uh, Idaho is the brunt of a lot of jokes. We have a lot of rednecks. We are a good example of a crazy right wing red state. Boise is a beacon of blue, and I have been very pleased to see the police chief doing active press releases. He did a press conference in the middle of the night when this happened. Yeah. It was on a Saturday. Saturday night, he did a press conference. And he's done more as more information has come out. Um, they have been on top of this. They've been doing a wonderful job. And we're recording this on Monday. Um, right now, there is a vigil going on at, at City Hall. Yeah. Boise, as a city, loves our refugees. We want this to be a nice, happy home for them. And a safe place for them. And I don't care that the guy who did it was from out of town. Don't fucking do that in our city. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, and they're talking about how he, uh, the police chief specifically talked about how he has had a history of uh, law enforcement issues in every state he's been in. And that it was just a matter of time. Which is not great. No. Um, no. Yeah. So basically this guy should have been removed from society quite a while ago, but he bounced around, bounced around. Yeah. Or the right wing loves to bring up. This isn't an excuse. I think it needs to be an, and not an, or if we had a better mental health system, uh, absolutely stuff like this could be avoided sometimes, not every time, no, but sometimes, but we do not like to prevent. We like to put a bandaid on a bleeding open wound and scramble. Yeah. Ah. All right. So, um, yeah, that one, I don't know why I thought we'd be able to get through it with dry eyes. <laughs> right. <laughs> Damn it. All right. So on his, his very Christian radio show, Rick Wiles managed to perfectly bend, blend fundamentalist Christian misogyny and racism. I edited out a lot of the redundancy and his very scientifically and medically inaccurate description of abortion because it was absolutely garbage. Sewers are not involved in the handling of medical waste. Anyway, here is the audio. Our soil is soaked in baby blood. 4,000 babies killed every day. And the soil is crying out for justice. Yes. So if we don't repent, God's bringing another people into America and pushing the white Europeans off the land. We have a brown invasion. (laughs) That has come in. Yes, and they're not killing their kids. Yeah, you heard that right. 
what the fuck? <laughs> okay. So just to give you a little bit of background here, uh, I did not hear the comment, the whatever that was, because I was taking care of the baby. And uh, the look on Aaron's face is all I need. Uh-huh. I am horrified. So because of abortion, we have immigration. <gasps> yeah. As okay. God's punishment. Okay. No. No. We have got to stop using God as a reason to be racist. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, man. But if they keep this up, there aren't going to be many left. Well, okay. If they keep up the success they're currently having, we won't have any more immigrants, which would be sad. But if people get out and vote and they keep this up, then they will lose all power. And mm-hmm. that would be awesome. I guess I'm just horrified by hearing people actually talk and have this available because remember how we just talked about we don't like to prevent mental health issues. There are people out there who then listen to this and have mental health issues. And this is the reason why we have terrorists. I will say it. White terrorists. Mm hmm. Who go and shoot people. It's just it reminds me of the guy who was um, at the uh uh, protest this weekend who let's see so somebody was giving a, a, a prayer for the families separated at the border and he kept saying womp womp parroting the advi- Trump advisor who did the same thing on yep. uh, a news station um, earlier in the week and so he kept going oh, womp womp too bad too bad for them and then he finally of course he pulled out a gun what yeah he pulled, at the he had, rally this weekend at, not here in Boise oh elsewhere this guy yeah it's like yeah these people hear stuff and they parrot it yep all right and for our final news story children who cross the border alone or who have been separated from their parents as young as three years of age are defending themselves generally without a lawyer at their deportation hearings yeah Yeah, because that makes sense and that's constitutional well I heard this on the news and I actually heard like a clip and for the most part, uh, I mean, it is so confusing. The questions are confusing. A, a three-year-old one, a three-year-old can't defend. Uh-huh. We all know that. I think everybody knows the three plus up uh, adults can't always defend themselves. And now you're saying children who English, they do not know. Uh-huh. Oh, and okay. At a deportation, de- deportation hearing. The question they're getting, why did you come to America? How was a three-year-old going to know why mom and dad brought her across the border? Right. That is absurd. And okay, it's also should be and is generally very irregular for children to be addressing a court. Um, I have been that weird kid who addressed the court at the age of five (laughs) when uh, my custody was being determined. I wanted to be there and my mom checked with the judge before i sat at that table and the judge was cool with it and he outlined how the custody arrangement was going to work and then he looked at me and said dustin is that okay with you and i said at five yes your honor (laughs) that's adorable (laughs) but not in this case this is no terrifying but nothing i said would have had any bearing on anything because i was a five-year-old three-year-olds are even stupider yeah 
You should have oh, said. Just little baby brains like don't should, comprehend. N- yes, honor, but I want to be a pirate. <laughs> <laughs> I object. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. All right. Pirate. Well, that's it for news. So we're going to take a break and then uh, we'll be back with a discussion. We love hearing from our listeners. You can email us at contact at atheistnomads.com, tweet us at atheistnomads, send us a message on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash atheistnomads, or better yet, call us and leave us a message at 541-203-0666. We might even play it on the show. You can also help us out by leaving us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or your podcast directory of choice. Now let's talk about depression. A little background here, Aaron. Um, how how how's the job going? Oh, the job is great. Uh, it was just before that that wasn't. Yes, right? it was before that that wasn't. Yes. Yeah, so I just wanted to. I think Lauren and I talked. We we took a walk around uh, on my first week. Yeah, and we were talking about depression, and uh, I was telling her, you know. I, Okay, backstory. Back it up. Backing it up. Beep, beep, <laughs> beep. I actually have uh, suffered from severe depression uh, with some anxiety my whole life. Uh, it has been diagnosed. And just recently, in the past 10 years, I also developed PTSD, which has amped up my anxiety level. Um, and I just had a new job. I, I just a new job offer, but I left my old job and then was looking for a job for four long winter months and it Mm. sucked Mm -hmm. it was like getting broken up with every day putting yourself out there getting broken up with every single day yeah some form of rejection or at least going on like a first and second date and then being like i really like this and then that's the only thing that i can equate it to but i was talking to lauren about this and i thought you know i uh i I grew up unitarian universalist i don't know the bible i dabbled a little in christianity and even during this whole time i was like you know i kind of get it it's kind of a lifeline it's kind of a grounding mechanism because i every day i'm like i wish you believe right exactly it was almost like who do I talk to besides my friends who I've already been talking to and just being like, I'm going through a really rough time now. Open space. Yeah. <laughs> it was hard. Um, and it's still hard. I, uh, I don't know. I, it, it was, it, it was one of those things where I'm like, gosh, I can really see why people go to cults or religion mm-hmm. when they're in a real low place in life, because you are just in the bottom of a pit trying to, Grab onto something that gets you out of bed. Yeah. Some hope. Yeah. Oh, man. One of the most graphic I saw examples I saw was uh, we, were, we were picketing across the street from the National Day of Prayer rally at the state capitol. This would have been probably uh, seven years back ago. In our, back in our activist days. That was, that was fun. Um, and this, this one woman comes by, and she's a, a born-again Christian and wanted to kind of join us on our side because... She thought what they were doing over there was weird, and uh, she she loves Jesus, and Jesus is all she needs. And then she started going into her backstory, all the drug abuse, all of the... I think she did some prostitution for a while in there to pay for the drug abuse, and a lot of abusive relationships, and just 
every like really bad sob story you hear and it's starting to really sound like okay there's probably quite a few mental health issues here and then she found jesus and didn't need any drugs anymore because jesus gave her a better high than she ever got even with lsd and it was like yep you combine mental illness with jesus and you've got hallucinations yeah. And she started describing some of those hallucinations. I wasn't saying this to her. I was just listening and right. thinking through. And she started talking about hallucinations that she was having. Hearing off God's of Jesus, voice. Seeing stuff that God was showing her e. while she'd be walking around the streets. E. Right. But it gave her a context to shape that and make sense of it and feel like it was not out of control. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That lifeline. Exactly. The lifeline. Um, when my grandmother was dying, my mom told me that she was jealous of her mom's faith. That she knew that grandma knew that everything was going to be okay. Right. And her daughter didn't. So that's. So, yeah, there are definitely times in our lives, especially at, especially at those low points where you you're you can succumb to those kind of things. And I don't yeah. know. I don't. If it keeps you going, I almost, you know don't care right all right if that's what gets you through the day i just have problems when people try to put it into law yeah or try to put it you know force me to do it but um an individual's beliefs man if that keeps you getting up in the every day going to support your family keeping you from hurting yourself then then you know what have it right i would hate to take that away from somebody and have them feel like they have nothing right well and losing that is also very depressing uh my deconversion experience was incredibly painful that there were when my faith was strong god was guiding me and everything was okay i didn't have to worry about things because god was going to take care of it so i was able to pretend my problems didn't exist and what's crazy is if you don't worry about a lot of those problems some of them kind of just go away Dude, that's how I live my life. Right. And when God left me, it was really felt very empty, very alone. Well, I mean, you were grieving that loss, right? Yeah. Definitely. While going actively into debt. I can only imagine what it would be like to have something so strong and grow up somewhere and then feel like you're losing it because it just doesn't make sense anymore. Uh, but you can still feel that, that deep sense of loss. I mean, I, when I, I converted to Mormonism because I felt like I didn't have a strong support system at home. Uh, I was having a lot of problems with my parents. I was very depressed and this was like this happy, cheery place that people were like, we want you to come, come and hang out with us. Like we have activities that you can do on the week during the week, we can bake cookies and go to Dairy Queen and, and do all these fun activities. And we want you here. And it felt really warm and comforting. But then the guilt started seeping in because I'm a woman mm-hmm. and Mormons, there's just not, I mean, they're not, it wasn't what, it, it wasn't jiving well with me. Yeah. After a little while, you know, I, I went for two years. I was baptized because my mom decided that I couldn't get baptized until I was 18. <laughs> so I got 
baptized on my 18th birthday. Awesome. And then six months later, I stopped going. (laughs) Wait, so did you join a church as a teenage rebellion? I did. So that's the one thing as a Unitarian, the joke is that the one thing that you can do to piss off your Unitarian Universalist parents is to uh, join a very religious, uh, join a church. Yep. Just join a very conservative church and that will make them highly uncomfortable. I mean, I remember having an argument the night before and my mom wasn't even mad about me going to church per se she was more mad because uh she wouldn't be able to see me get married officially oh because i was mormon and to get married officially would be in the temple yep and anybody who didn't have a temple card mm-hmm. couldn't go and see that official marriage and she wasn't satisfied with having a the ring ceremony cuz she said that's not because that's not the marriage yeah. So it it's interesting that she was just so she was very upset about that. Also, that's illegal in some states. What's Most states actually, it is illegal for a the wedding part to not be open to the public. Wow. The actual legal bit because that's a state function. Yeah. 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 But heavily Mormon states have the Mormon church has gotten exemptions put in or right. has blocked those laws from being put in place. Right. It was, I think, you know, the last four months I want to say, and now I'm out of it. I'm crawling out of it. I say I'm crawling out of it. You're fighting. I'm really fighting hard. And, um, but the four months of unemployment, and I know there's probably some people are like, okay, big eye roll on that one. But, uh, you know, I've got a lot of backstory issues uh, for why I am the way I am and how I react to things. And it was really hard to be alone. I'm not usually a person that wants to be alone. Um, but I didn't have any money coming in and I didn't have anything to talk about except for rejection all the time. So I thought, why would I want to hang out with a bunch of people? And there were points when I thought my knee jerk reaction was to get on my knees and pray who the fuck I was praying to. I have no idea. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, because that's not really in my world. And it was, it was hard. And it, and I think, you know, when Laura and I were talking about it, it was hard because I was having a, having a, a crisis of sorts because I just didn't know that that's the one thing about not having religion or to me is that big unknown because I already feel this big void. And so it's scary to think this is it. And now I'm taking four months and essentially wasting it feeling like shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's it's just interesting because we have the very similar backgrounds. So she's she's telling me all this stuff about, gosh, I wish I could just talk to somebody. I'm like, oh, my God, I've so been there. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that's about as close as we can understand what losing faith is like, right. is being rock bottom and not having that to look look for. Yeah. And um yeah, so that really resonated with me, but um it's like the semicolon thing, you know, the story right. keeps going. Right. And uh that's that's a that's the really important part to hang on to. Absolutely. And I and I will say, you know, I I had conversations and I had a great support system. I did. I I do. I shouldn't say did. I really do have a great support system. I learned a lot about myself in this. I was able to use tools in my tool bag, as they say, 
um, to to reach to so that I wouldn't get to that really, really low point. And I think I've just come out and say it. I mean, I was suicidal at one point, but there were just factors that weren't going to push me to that point mm. because I knew that I could reach out and I, there were other factors. There were just other factors, yeah. but I, it, it also made me incredibly sad to think about people who don't have that. Yeah. And people who don't have a support system and people who are dealing with this and self-medicating because it's a place that I've been also. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and self-medicating is if you, if you get hit fully hit rock bottom if you, and you don't have insurance, self-medicating is cheaper than the ER. Exactly. Exactly. And so it's just like, shit, um, this time around, I decided not to drink. I want four months without drinking, everybody. Oh, wow. Good job. Uh, and I now, I, I mean, it's not that I don't want to drink. It's like, you just I recognize just know, that that wasn't yeah, going to help. It wasn't going to help. It, but again, it makes me really feel empathy for people who are doing this on their own without having uh, a support system. And then you know like you said lauren it's like if if religion is the one thing that's going to take them from not self-harming then yeah more I'm, power to you on that one and i i can't say anything about it it's when it's when they come back and say well now you have to do this that's when i'm like no <laughs> yeah when you you can't force me to do anything but. when i was unemployed i spent 14 hours a day sleeping. I slept from 10 to noon. Uh, what actually was really interesting with that was the first, after about a month, I'd gotten caught up on sleep. Yeah. Sleeping, you know, sleeping in until I'd wake up. Right. Then I started waking up at five in the morning. It was like, yeah. what the hell? Oh, I'm rested. And then I started <laughs> getting depressed. Yeah. And I started sleeping until 11 or 12. And that was seven months. The only thing I had going on was getting to hang out with Lauren, going fishing. Oh, then winter came. Oh, God. Winter's the worst. And we were yeah. able to move podcast recording to Tuesday because I had all day Wednesday to edit. So I had Tuesday where I could do show prep and I had win- and record and Wednesday where I could do editing. And Idaho, if you're getting unemployment, you have to be home Monday through Friday, yeah. nine to five. Right. That was the most annoying part is that we couldn't just pack up and go to the cabin for a week because right. he had to stay in town to for an un- unemployment. Right. And the fact that you have to be available for anything and everything. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm dealing right now with a friend who uh, doesn't have a support system and uh, I don't know what to do anymore. Right. You know, uh, she's she's in a different town, ta- different city. So I can't be driving out there every day to help. And uh, can't afford to move her here because there's no no rent that is cheap enough for somebody who's on Medicare and Medicaid. Right. Uh, basically alienated all of her friends, family, doctors. There are whole groups of doctors that won't see her anymore. So it's like, God, what? And that's what like, do you do when you yeah. have nothing? And she's asking me today, what do you? What do I do? I'm like, I don't know. And import- I just keep sending her pictures of my baby, and that seems <laughs> to keep her going. But right, because she's at the point where no friend or God can help. Right, she needs a professional. 
Well, and that's, but it's hard to get access to professionals for sure. And I think like in that, in this case, it's looking at, and I hate to say it, but institutionalized care. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Meaning going into a place and in the hope that, you know, maybe she can get better and maybe something will change where she can just be there for a little while. But no, not right. likely. This is a no. physical illness right. that is that is degenerative. Right. It's more where can we get her someplace where somebody can wa- is watching at least making sure that she's taking medications and stuff right. every day. Right. If she gets lost, she somebody to direct her back to where she oh, can be. Somebody can notice when she falls. Notice right. when she falls. Yeah. So, and if you are Medicare Medicaid and living on five to eight hundred dollars a month. You're out of luck. You can't get into an assisted living. You can't get into a nursing home because they want you to pay up front and then apply for a waiver through health and welfare. So that doesn't really work. I don't know. Yeah, we're, we're at the point where the system that was supposed to replace the asylums never happened. Right. And I don't know if that would even be the right place for her if those were available. But the alternative is if <laughs> there's so many people who fall through the cracks. and right. they They're all on, clogging the drain there. They end up on the... On the streets, because eventually there's nowhere else to go. Yeah, and then we, and then there's programs as soon as you do that. But I don't understand why we have to get it to that point. Yeah. You know, um, and that's unfortunate. The, the safety net is supposed to keep you from hitting Absolutely. rock bottom. Absolutely. But the net's been loosened up too much. Well. We need to, we need to tighten those, you know, crank the ratchet a few times. Yeah. But hopefully, I, you know, just keep keep trying. That's all you can really do, and, and can, I have to make sure that I don't get dragged down. Absolutely, right, mm-hmm. right. And I think you know we've talked about that. Yeah, is, is making sure that as a caregiver, even in the respects of just being a friend, giving that care, you also have to look at yourself too, because you can definitely get dragged down. I know I have. I know that I've been there for friends and then you can just so easily get dragged down it's like all i want to do in the world is help people right but i don't know when to quit right which is really common with people who want to be helpers right and Mm -hmm. so building those boundaries and that's something that i learned during this i mean i say that i was really the, the roughest time of my life but i've also learned so much so building boundaries understanding uh what caused causes me anxiety and depression when I'm say at a job because that's happened too and and what I can do to to help myself I am super anxious right now I will tell you I have not been sleeping very much lately and that is partially because I've got a new job and I'm part of this real intensive uh contest Inten- yeah um and speaking of which we need to wrap it up. Oh, yep. yeah, we do. Yeah. yeah. I got to get to an open mic. Woo! We are out of time and you need to move from this mic to another mic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So again, not again, but I am, uh, I'm not always talking about sad stuff. Sometimes I'm talking about sad stuff in a funny way. Yeah. <laughs> Where can we find you? You can find me on July 7th. Is this after? No, no, this it'll be still right few days before yes. okay yeah, on july 7th hopefully you can get tickets for boise's funniest person uh, i am one of 20 contestants 
and uh, one of six that are female. Woo! Yeah. Who has? Oh, you're not allowed so to talk many, about. But I can't talk about who has because uh, I can't make it funny. <laughs> Just ask Lady Business how it's done. They'll they'll show you. They're how the it's ones done. who told me not to. What? Oh. I know. It's okay. It's okay. Every female talks about it, but I do. Um, talk, that's where you can find me right now. I also work uh, my day job at a nonprofit. Um, and that is very rewarding, but I think, you know, I, I think the other thing is that uh, to wrap this up, but I think being able to find, um, coming out of this, a creative outlet, which I never thought of myself as a creative person at all. I'm not into artworks or crafts or home decoration. And I never thought of myself as a writer, but, um, people tell me I'm funny sometimes. And sometimes. sometimes. Uh, and so it was really nice to start feeling better about myself and then finding a creative outlet, which also gives me a lot of anxiety. <laughs> yeah. the way. You know, but, but it's learning, like, learning to cope. With the yeah, anxiety, exactly. How to use that to your advantage. Exactly. But also keep in mind, there are no healthy comics. No, I know. I think I fit in perfectly. I think I found my people now. And so as soon as I stop being so intimidated and just looming around them, because that's what I usually do. I'm like, I'm just going to stand on the peripheral and hope that you'll come up and talk to me (laughs) uh, because I'm intimidated because I'm I'm a real comic now. Yay. I'm all grown Um, up. (laughs) But I've I've been doing a lot of open mics. You can probably find me at open mics now from now on. And, uh, yeah, July 7th. And then we'll see what happens after that. So, all right. like, uh, all the positive vibes, if all you're into that. All the positive vibes. <laughs> that I can get up on stage and make people laugh and the judges will love me. Or yeah. buy tickets and, and la- laugh and, and clap. Yeah. 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 So, uh, just come out. I mean, there's 20 people who are trying to make, uh, light of this world that we live in. I think... That's the other thing. I'm just shit is happening every day and it sucks. And I'm tired of being tired and depressed. Sick and, and tired of being sick and tired. Right, exactly. Like that's the old cliche. But I, I love making people laugh. And so my hope is that I can I can do that on the side and it and you know. Yep. And come out and see me. Yay. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us. <laughs> Rocco misses you. I know, he does. And listeners, remember, not all those who wander are lost. Thank you for listening to another episode of Atheist Nomads. You can find show notes and contact information at atheistnomads.com. Follow us on Twitter at Atheist Nomads. And like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash atheistnomads. Please subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or your podcatcher of choice. And while you're there, feel free to leave us a review. Theme music is courtesy of Sturdy Fred. Until next time, this has been The Atheist Nomads.